Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And to an interesting subject, one of which I've been um, surprised that we've really not, not tackled before. And uh, with us, an expert in front of us, the very jolly and expert-looking face of Buki Mosaku, which is a fantastic name to conjure with, and um, I really like it. Oh, he's got his glasses back on again, ladies and gentlemen, so stand back to be wow. It's all going to happen now. So first of all, hi, Buki, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? And where in the world are you today? So I'm in London, West London, Notting Hill Gate. Right. I've heard of West London. It's it's yeah. a place. And yeah. Notting Hill Gate. The Americans <laughs> yeah. will be thinking of the film. Um, the Londoners, Londoners be thinking of the lack of traffic, and um, yeah. the rest of us are thinking about uh, the carnival. <laughs> yeah, exactly. An exotic place, and you're probably thinking about house prices. I'm guessing. So. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Don't even don't even talk about it. Yeah, yeah. But what can you do? You know. Yeah. You These are first world problems. First Indeed. world problems. Yeah. Correct. Totally agree. So about. tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are. So look, you know, I'm the founder of Diverse City Think Tank, and we're a, 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 a workplace bias experts and DE and I specialists. And our focus is to help equip organizations and individuals with strategies and skills to help them navigate the what I describe as the inevitability of workplace bias. And in line with that, I've uh, got a book coming out called I Don't Understand, Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace. So, yeah, that's kind of the edited highlights version of who I am. So so what qualifies you to speak on the subject? Because obviously it's a big subject and, and I've seen you launch straight into, straight into sales and publicise the book straight away, which is great. Um, but where, where does your knowledge base come from? Well, look, you know, I, so I, 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 for the past uh, 22 years, I've, uh, well, coming into 23rd year, I've been operating as a consultant uh, uh, globally. Uh, a business consultant. Um, and this started off primarily focused around corporate development uh, and sales and increasing the productivity and effectiveness of staff. And then what happened is that in that process, I became exposed on a personal level to various forms of unconscious bias, uh, 
right? That involved myself, but also as a consultant, uh, working with large organizations throughout the world, thousands and thousands of people, what I saw was how organizations addressed uh, uh, what I describe as career stifling unconscious bias, how they would look to, 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 to kind of mitigate it as a problem. And um, I became, I, I, over time, I became kind of uncomfortable with the approach. And so this led to the, uh, the uh, forming of diversity think tank and um, operating as uh, workplace bias experts. Okay. And, yeah. So let, let me unpack that a little bit for me, for those who are less familiar with the subject. So first of all, can you tell us what bias is, the difference between conscious and unconscious bias, and maybe a couple of examples to sort of illustrate it? Yeah, so I think that's a really great question. And uh, so I'm glad you asked it. The first, uh, in terms of dealing with what bias is, I think, well, let's look at unconscious bias, uh, yeah, and how it manifests in the workplace, because that's essentially what I deal with. Uh, um, so uh, it's any, you know, it's any conditioned uh, view uh, uh, um, that in negatively negatively impacts our behavior to certain groups. That's what I describe as career stifling unconscious bias. And these conditioned views are born out of uh, uh, stereotypes, social societal conditioning uh, towards particular groups based on race and ethnicity, based on sexual orientation, based on age, based on gender. These are all forms of, of, uh, 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 of bias. Uh, these are all sort of sorry topics uh, or, or victims of bias based on the, the groups that they're in and, and driven and the bias is driven uh, by negative stereotypes uh, which we get from societal conditioning. Okay, so, so that's understanding of bias is that it's a sort of protection mode that allows us to to be able to make instantaneous decisions. Um, it is socially constructed, um, mm. but of course, I mean, I'm just interested to know which which is sort of. I mean, conscious okay. bias is obvious, isn't it? Because it is actually explicit and it's said. But I'm just wondering yeah. which is worse in a way. All right, okay. So for actually, let's just look at because you did ask me that you did ask me what conscious bias is as well. So conscious bias is where I make a decision where I consciously make the decision that I don't like certain types of people or I like certain types of people and I will treat them accordingly. That is conscious. Yeah. Unconscious is when it's a conditioned view. You don't actually, it's a shortcut. What, you know, what people like you doctor, good doctor call, you know, is driven by cognitive, you know, cognitive shortcuts, right? Yeah. Um, and so you don't actually, you're, it, you're, it's an unaware thinking pattern, but the pattern is there and it's been driven and conditioned by societal, societal conditions. That's it. Yeah. And that's really important to understand because you can have people who are incredibly well-meaning, who, yeah. are, who are incredibly empathetic with people, but actually because they are a product of their social conditioning, they don't necessarily, if they're massively self-aware, they're not particularly aware of their unconscious bias because by implication, they are unconscious. So it's, <laughs> It's, it's how do people spot their own unconscious biases? Yeah, and I think it's uh, really important to, you know, the, the third part of your question was examples, you know, mm -hmm. and, and there are a lot of these examples out there. So, for example, uh, uh, 
Uh, there's a disproportionate underrepresentation of women in senior roles, leadership roles in organizations. There's a disproportionate underrepresentation of ethnic minorities. I can, as an ethnic minority myself, of Black people in particular in senior roles, right? This is driven by uh, 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 unconscious, partially, sorry, driven by unconscious bias. That is not seeing these people as people uh, in roles of, uh, you know, in senior roles, because society and conditioning has told us that. And everything we see on TV, etc., cetera, uh, tells us that. This is, uh, these are examples. It doesn't, you know, again, you know, you could look at sexual orientation as well and age as well be it young or old, uh, there are certain people uh, decide that a certain age uh, is appropriate for certain roles and a certain age is inappropriate for certain roles. Mm -hmm. This is all conditioned thinking and is not necessarily true. And it's unconscious. Uh, so those are examples. And like you said, it's not necessarily on purpose, but it's there. And if you look at the statistics, it, they reflect this. And so uh, having a way of dealing with this as a uh, you know, uh, for, for all of us is uh, is really important, and we are all we can all be affected by it. Some more so than others, but we are all affected by unconscious bias. And it, and it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it's a sort of interplay between socio socio economic factors, culture, uh, media, and now social media, and of course parenting as well, which is part of the social background. But it, it's fascinating to think that actually we may have the issues we have because of the the media landscape being driven by white, old, rich, white blokes. And I work mm. a lot in the transgender community, and this is a massively marginalised and uh, underrepresented as, um, uh, minority in the workforce, possibly the most um, discriminated against of all, really, at the moment. Um, but it's yeah. fascinating to think that, actually, we may have the issue we have because of an agenda, really, rather than by accident, because it may well be the media have shaped the landscape over the last 30 years. Yeah, I, th I think I think that has been that that is definitely there, and there is a structural element to this, a systemic element to this. Um, however, um, I think it's important that when we look to address bias in the workplace, unconscious bias in the workplace, we do not use resolution models driven by out by what I call the out there approach, right? Out, out there being outside of the work, outside of work, whilst both bias outside of work and inside of work are, are driven by so, so, social injustice. Actually, there are the resolution model for workplace bias is actually different to the resolution model, for example, for racism, or you know, or for or for uh, uh, homophobia, or yes. for, or for the equivalent for gender identity yes. in the workplace. The model is different, and one of the mistakes that a lot of behavioral scientists and so-called experts make, right, is that they they transpose the model, the resolution model for dealing with bias out there. Can you the give me an example of what you mean in here? Well, if mean? I'm if I'm attacked, you know, if I'm attacked, if I, if I'm on the receiving end of 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 actual physical attack or or, or verbal attack, uh, uh, aggravated assault outside, right? Yeah. My options are kind of limited. I, I can see. respond, I see. right? I can respond in the same way. Yeah. I can go to the police. Uh, you know, sometimes it, it, it arguably it could be the police that are the, the, the actual perpetrator. 
um, I can seek legal redress or I can protest in peace and, and, and get my, my government representative to, uh, to, to, to protest on my behalf. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Right? That's the model out there. Yeah. And it begins and ends with authority, leadership. However, in the workplace, the model is slightly, that doesn't have to be that way. No. There are great wider opportunities. And the wider opportunities are that in the workplace, you can talk, you can have a conversation, you can sense bias, and you can, if you know how to, and not trying to do a sale here, but on my book, this is what we talk about. You can actually call out bias in the moment and navigate it, right, in a way which allows you to not be a victim of it and furthermore um, allows you to uh, um, overcome it and puts you in an even stronger position, right? You don't have that. At, and so the problem is, is that what, 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 what experts do, uh, so-called experts and activists and all of these types of people, um, their model for dealing with workplace bias is, is um, the people at the top need to change. They need to increase their bias awareness. They need to interrupt their biases and so yeah. on. Yeah. And, which, yeah. yeah, which is pointless, really, because that doesn't deal with the issue. Yeah, well, you know, look, an element of, an element of that is 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 important, but not enough attention is allocated to equipping people with the skills to navigate it on their own. And if you don't do that, what happens is that you're always reliant on somebody else to change, which keeps you as a victim. And and I, FYI, in brackets, keys into sort of well, you know, old. Uh, a, a kind of stereotypes which have been around for centuries so it's really important that we equip people everybody and but but the first thing as well is that we need to understand how bias manifests in the workplace and i don't think most people understand that we no. we really need to understand that so we're really we're really looking for a an awareness in the culture profile of the organization so that actually what we do the way we do things around here is free from bias so that, you know, and that and that it, and that comes down to skills. It comes down to attitudes, behaviors. It comes down to the way we think, what we do, how we act. And that's why I say you don't need to wait from the you don't need to lead for you don't need to wait from it coming from the top. You can just get on with it in your own team. I think so. I think so. But if the top want to do anything about it, and they, and they desperately are trying, trust me, because I const I deal with lots of clients in these areas. Right? What they need to do is unsubscribe from this guilty perpetrator, hapless victim model, this kind of unidirectional view of, of workplace bias. Now, you know, it probably mm -hmm. needs some unpacking. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to unpack that? Uh, um, well, why not? Yeah. We'd, we'd be chairless to refuse having all yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the traditional model for dealing with unconscious bias in the workplace, career stifling unconscious bias. That is decisions which hold one person back and don't and, and allow another person to go forward, right? The traditional model is, is saying, right, we've got these white middle-class heterosexual males, usually some females, right? They are the guilty perpetrator, yeah. right? And they need to change the way that they think act, do, behave, whatever. And they need to interrupt whatever it is inside them, this original sin almost, yeah. mm -hmm. right? That is causing them to be uh, 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 disproportionate, you know, to treat 
minorities badly. That's the model, right? That's pretty much the model. Then the other part of the model is generally let's tell everybody to be nice to everybody. And they're not, you know, even if person looks different from you, is a different sexual orientation or different sex, be nice or different age, be nice. That's the model, right? Um, and this is all reliant on basically a majority to shift, right? This is a unidirectional model. It says that these people who look a certain way, walk and talk a certain way, they are the guilty perpetrator. And these people who look a certain way, walk and talk, talk a certain way, they are the hapless victim. But the problem with that is that if I'm a if I'm a leader and I'm part of the majority, right, and I'm subscribed to that model, which 99.99% of organizations are, right, I will always be looking to correct myself, trying to improve myself, which sends a message to me that I'm guilty, that I'm some kind of faulty product. Yeah. But it also sends a message to me that there are these poor hapless victims who are uh, the recipient of my guilt. And in order for them to be to have uh, uh, worthwhile, productive, fair careers, I need to change. Well, that just keeps them as victims and keeps me as a guilty perpetrator, mm. right? So what I'm saying is, why not why not um, allocate more attention to equipping uh, uh, people with the skills to navigate it, right? Navigate bias. So those minorities or those traditional victims give them the skills but then to navigate it. And if you give them the skills, they're not reliant on, on this traditional guilty perpetrator. And suddenly they're empowered, right? So that's really important. But the other element of this is, is really important too. And the other element of this is that there are two forms of bias and nobody wants to talk about the two forms or two categories, right? Mm -hmm. The first category is what I describe as directional bias direct that is towards you that's what we're all familiar with because of your age race gender sexual orientation gender identity that's bias towards you where you you get you don't get the rub of the green on decisions and you're there, there's nobody that looks like you in in the boardroom right that's that's directional bias but there's also reverse bias and this is what nobody talks and this is a key element of the problem there's reverse bias. So I, as a black minority, could misinterpret unfavorable decisions from you as a white member of the majority leader as driven by unconscious bias. Well, actually, hello, that's actually my bias. If I misinterpret it, that's my bias. Yes, that's right. And does that make sense? That's and, totally. Yeah, and the problem is, is that when you sense my bias... Well, you, you have an inkling that I'm coming from a place of reverse bias in your decision making, right? Um, you don't tell me, right? Most people don't tell me because they don't want to say that because they don't want to seem unsympathetic to the equality cause. So mm -hmm. what they do is they don't say anything. And if they do say anything, guess what? They tell somebody else. And guess what the other person they tell looks like? Yeah, of course. Then, so if it's you, for example... Uh, uh, you would tell another white male or, you know, somebody similar to you, which would reinforce the bias about minorities, me, a black male, having chips on their shoulders. Now, it gets worse because I sense bias from you, right, which I could be wrong, by the way, but I sense it in your decision making. You, you know, I don't tell you either. What I do is go and look for somebody else and tell them. And guess what they look like? And you get a schism. Yeah, they look like me, a black male, black heterosexual male. And that reinforces the bias about the majority uh, being guilty perpetrators of bias towards people like me and never the twain shall meet. And this is, is where we live. 
isn't uh, and 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 the tr and the reason that traditional approach might exist is because there is power and safety and being in your own sets as it were so that's been a it's been a uh, it's been an approach that's got us a certain amount of the way forward and and are you sort of saying that that's worked as far as it goes and now the next step is something different yeah we we have to evolve mm. because if if we don't here's a in a in a, in a nutshell Unidirectional views or one-way street views of, uh, of career-stifling unconscious bias, right, um, divide us. Mm. Because it says that there are these people who are like this. They are the bad guys, right? <laughs> and there are these people, and they are the trodden on, right? Uh, whereas if you accept what I've just described, right, the two categories of bias, what you're accepting is the multidirectional nature of workplace bias. And if you can accept that in the moment I can be in the moment, I can be biased towards you as much as you can be biased towards me in the moment, regardless of the power differential, regardless of that, I'm a graduate and you're a chairperson, right? In the moment, I can be biased towards you and you can be biased towards me. If we can accept that multidirectional nature, then we're actually accepting that we're the same. Yes. And it's, and it's important, I think, to characterize this because actually... I don't think you're saying let's look after the victims, as it were. I know you said they should be called victims, but the people who's uh, the, to which the bias is um, being uh, directed yeah. at. It's yeah, not perfect. about it's not about equipping those people to have the resilience to deal with the bias, which is useful. But it's also important a to call out the bias. But it's also what you're saying is we should still culturally change to make sure that overall the volume of bias comes down. Otherwise. All you're doing is you're allowing people to unmodify their behavior because they know actually the victims are more robust. And that's that's the wrong that's the wrong outcome in a sense, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at yeah, yeah. I, but I think ultimately, though, having said that, I think ultimately, um the, the only way to deal with that is for people to actually, when they sense bias, to call it out. I think that's it. And I think when you, if you, if, if, if I, here's the thing, all bias in the moment at work, whatever, you, you know, in a work environment is sensed. You never actually know. Yeah. Otherwise it wouldn't be called unconscious bias. It would be called explicit bias. It wouldn't be called yeah. implicit. It'd be called explicit. So when I, it's always sensed. So what we need and to that's do. That's a problem. That is yeah, a yeah. problem. Because if you're, if you're part of a disadvantaged minority, you, yeah. you, you can be more spiky and more prone to, as you're saying, your own bias is, is there because you, you sense more risk in the world. So, yes. so I guess by, by saying, listen, I'm sensing some bias, that's a risky phrase in itself because you can just say, I'm not comfortable with the way this is going. What's your intention? I mean, there's, there are lots of different phrases you could use to get around the problem. But you're advocating saying, I'm sensing bias at the moment. What's going on? Well, I'm advocating that the most effective way to call out bias, to navigate it, is to use these three powerful words. I don't understand. Yeah. We call this dispassionate developmental inquiry. Develop, engage in dispassionate developmental inquiry. In fact, when you turn the phrase, I don't understand, into a question, mm. so, so I don't understand like that, what happens is that you invoke our natural instinct to give direction. Mm. In other words, the person will say to you one of two things. What don't you understand? Yeah. Which gets you into a conversation which you wouldn't have been able to get into otherwise. Or they'll say, well, let me show you. 
Yeah. Either way, you're now into a conversation. Now, the key is to stay in that dispatch, that developmental inquiry mode of, 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 of dialogue, which is what we, you know, which is what we teach, you know, which is yeah. what, you know, but the, the it, when you do that, right, one of four things are going to happen, right? The bias towards you will call itself out. You don't need to say to the person, you gave the job to her, but you didn't give it to me because of X, Y. You won't need to do that. As long as you engage in developmental inquiry, dispassionate developmental inquiry, in other words, I don't understand, you know, that type, you know, that mode of, 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 of conversation, what you're going to find is that the, the bias towards you, if it's there, if it's real, will call itself out. Or what will happen, this is really important, or what will happen is that your reverse bias will call itself out, mm. right? Your reverse bias will call itself out, right? So those are the two things. Or what will happen is it something that you weren't privy to, which is totally fair under the circumstances, will be revealed. Or something that neither you or the presumed perpetrator were aware of. For example, I could speak Spanish. There was a job which required Spanish. I didn't know it required Spanish and they didn't know that I spoke Spanish. So I know I was never shortlisted. That's got nothing to do with me being black. It's got nothing to do with my sexual orientation. It's got nothing to do with my sex. It's just life. Right. But and sometimes that happens. Right. But this would all come out if you engage in I don't understand types of conversations. So I think what we need to do is equip people with skills to navigate the inevitability of bias. And we should also equip, you know, traditional perpetrators to call out reverse bias. If we're equipping each other with the skills to call out inevit- the inevitability of bias, it will it will dissipate. It has to. But the problem is we don't do that. Yeah. What we do is we say, no, I'm white middle class leader. I got us into this because of his stuff which happened in hist- history, right? Um, so I need to deal with this. Yeah. Well, you do need to deal with it, but you can't deal. If you say I need to deal with it on my own, yeah. you're actually reinforcing the status quo because you're pushing the people, at, the, the people that you're trying to help out and you're yeah. disempowering them. Why not give everybody the skills to call? And when you do that, you accept that we're the same, but yeah. we don't want to accept that we're the same. We, we keep saying them and us when it's an us versus us. Yeah, it's interesting. I can see why there is a role for I as well as we and you. So I think there is a that tripartite nature of this is important. The thing, the other benefit I see about this is that actually there's a degree of accountability being built because when you're saying I don't understand, you're sort of putting the locus of control into yourself. So what, that, what that's doing is giving you a degree of um, control over the process. And, and it's that classic thing, when you say it, when you ask a question, you're in the control of the process. So I think that's that's quite an interesting sort of idea. Yeah. I quite like that. I'm going to investigate yeah. that. So, so you've written a book, uh, allegedly. I I heard a rumour somewhere that you've <laughs> So um, it's interesting. I've just been having a look at it, and I see it launches in August 2023. Is that right? It's actually, now, that actually, it's going to that date. You know, my publishers told me that that date has been changed to the really? 7th of September. Wow. Um, but you can, it can be pre, pre-ordered now, yeah. So that's good. So, so who did you write the book for? That's a that's a really good question. You've eaten, you've eaten your wheat bix this morning, Russell. Right. So, um, I wrote the book. Um, well, you know, they say we <laughs> they say we teach what we need to learn. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 
somebody great said that Richard I can't remember his name right <laughs> right um so but in terms of who the book is aimed at it's aimed at um workers you know uh, it's aimed at uh, senior management middle management you know people who have staff right and if you manage a team today if you're a chairperson a people manager team leader you are dealing with a diverse team it's not you know you're, you're dealing with people with different ages different family makeups and and so on neuro thinking patterns right so we need to be able to have cohesive teams and so these are the people that I wrote it for, people working in and managing cohesive teams. And then the actual teams, the actual minority. How, do I, how does the black guy, how does the woman, how does the minority sexual orientation person who senses bias from time to time, how do they deal with it? How do they call it out? Instead of going to a safe space, which is the kind of prescribed thing, right? You know, what if I could just call it out in the moment? What if I could call it out in the moment in a way which doesn't get the other person's back up, doesn't invoke defensive fragility? That is, a person gets upset, annoyed, right, outraged, right? If I could call it out in the moment, I could navigate these these issues as and when they happen. Yeah, and that's good for me for my leadership skills, and it's good for the cohesiveness of cohesion of my team. Brilliant. So, so you better tell us. Um, where we can find this book, what it's called, all the all the vital bits of information. I've just seen how much it costs. i um, just recovered from the shock. That's the, pre, <laughs> that's the pre-order price. So, I'm sure. Yeah. I normally download a copy as we're chatting right. to have a read of it, but uh, luckily I can't download well, those. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully my publishers are watching this. There's a message that I don't set the prices, but... <laughs> I'm pulling your leg, on. Right. It's reassuringly expensive. Like it that. certainly is. If yeah. you drink, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So uh you can get it from Amazon, right? You can get it on all outlets, right? But uh, you can get it from Amazon. And um, better still, what I would encourage people, because there's a deal, a deal on this. If they go to navigatingbias.com, right? And there's a Masaku's bias navigation test, right? That will actually tell you, give you an indication of what the best unconscious career you know, bias strategy or dealing with bias strategy is for your organization but there's also a deal there on the price so of the book so that's a, a crafty way of getting a deal on the price and getting a a, a kind of a, a free bias navigation strategy workshop so otherwise go to amazon waterstones and all your usual they'll be able to you'll be able to get it from them Brilliant. I think it's absolutely, I think it's, I think it's not just great. I think it's very timely as well, because I think people are looking for, I think we've become so sensitive to the, some of these subjects. We've really become disempowered and we've become, I say it in the transgender world, is that people are, because it's slightly weaponized, people are becoming really cautious and they don't know what to say. And everybody's dancing on eggshells. Exactly. And we just need to be adults and, and, and say, I'm going to say something. If it's wrong, I'll put it right in a second, but you know, let me say something because, you get yourself into a state of complete, well, victimhood, which is one of yeah. my least favorite sort of states to be in, I guess. Yeah. Or you call it in internally. If you think about it, what do you call in when you get these things? You when you when you're on the sense of an injustice, you just go, I just don't understand how these people could be so insensitive. Yeah. The injustice, the incivility of this behavior, and you're yeah. calling it inside instead yeah. of calling it in. What if you could call it out? Yeah. 
Well, look, and, and of course, you know, to invoke the great Ted Lasso, <laughs> yeah. because everybody does these days, and we need to be topical. So if, if you don't put Ted Lasso somewhere, he talks about that difference between curiosity and judgment, doesn't he? Or the psychologist behind the show does. And I think that's what you're actually saying here. The, the curiosity is the question I just don't know. I just don't know and don't understand. And the yeah. judgment thing is, I, I can see it. Now I'm a victim and now I have to respond and go back into my sets and such like. I like it. I think it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And um, um, so people can go and have a look at your website as well. You better spell your name because it's a, right. it, it's completely. It's really unique. Different. Well, it's, it's certainly, one of, certainly one of your own. All right. <laughs> so it's B for book. You don't, no, don't do it, Sesame Street. No, no, I did. Yeah, I didn't want anyone to put that. D. That's all. I just didn't want anyone to put D. That would just do my head in. So B U K I M O S A K U. Doc. Sorry. So bookimasaku.com. Let me get my own website correct. Bookimasaku.com. And it's a great website. Actually, I've been, you know, as we've been chatting, there's all sorts of interesting staff, blogs, you know, a fund of information. And I'm sure there's going to be a way of capturing people's names on your email list. That's yeah. that is. <laughs> and uh, then you can be an, a, treated to many helpful and influential. Of course. Yeah. Informing. No, and I think, and, and rightly so, I think you've got a great message there. And it's brilliant the way that you clarify it and put it across. I think it's different to what other speakers have heard. So I love it. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you, Russell. It's been a pleasure. It certainly has. You take care. You too. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.